Hi, I'm Stacy. I love chatting about how to find our callings, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in a coffee shop. You can connect with me on social media at Stacy Summerow and subscribe to StacySummerow.com for a free discernment packet called How to Make the Right Choice. God's adventure awaits, my friend, and I am thrilled you're on the journey with me. y'all how's your week going i hope it's going awesome i can't wait to bring you an episode that i have never heard talked about anywhere but i think is a really necessary topic how to discern the right method of natural family planning there are several more than several methods available and it's a little overwhelming if you're engaged or you're single to know when to start charting how to do it, what method to even pick, and to know where to go to find out what's available. So today I'm interviewing Bridget Busacker. She is uh, a lady who founded the one-stop shop called Managing Your Fertility, which really is designed to just help newcomers to NFP understand their options when it comes to natural family planning. Not only that, but we got into some incredible stuff about marriage. Like I think the words real talk and unfiltered are overused at this point because every one wants to have real unfiltered talk, right? Everybody uses those terms, but I, I really think that this episode actually is. Uh, this is definitely, there's things that we share here that I've never heard talked about. And this is the episode I wish someone had told me about before I was married. We're going to get to that episode in just a second, but I just wanted to let you know about today's episode sponsor, the Hallow Prayer app. So there's a lot of new age meditation apps. They're really popular right now, but Hallow is unique because it's an authentically Catholic meditation app for mental prayer and for connecting with God. So there's always free content when you download Hallow, but you can get a free 30-day trial of the premium version of the app when you go to hallow.com slash Stacey Summerow. That's hallow, like hallowed be thy name. Or I'm going to put the link in the show notes because my name is a little bit tricky to spell. So hallow.com slash Stacey Summerow. I absolutely love Hallow. I cannot recommend it enough. It is my go-to way to pray every day for discerning my decisions, to find peace, to help me sleep, and to set and to meet my prayer goals for connecting with God. So you can pray traditional Catholic prayers like the rosary, or you can use meditations inspired by saints' writings or meditate on scripture using Lexio Divina. Or you can also pray along with your community, your Bible study, or another prayer community when you use the app together. So there's that kind of neat community aspect to it. So I am the least likely person to ever recommend an app to anyone because I don't like cluttering up my phone with apps I don't use. And until very recently, I just had five gigabytes of storage on my phone. So I was never the one to download or recommend an extra app. But I can tell you this one is absolutely worth a download. I use it all the time. This episode is also sponsored by my shop. Visit stacysummerow.com slash shop to check out new hand-designed, handmade items that I have crafted recently to surround you with reminders of God's love. People ask me all the time, what should I buy for people who are discerning life choices? So I came up with something. In particular today, I just want to highlight the Adventure Collection. This is five items that you get. It's perfect for any gal in your life who's seeking her purpose. You get a soft, comfy, high-quality t-shirt that's says God's Adventure Awaits, hand designed by me. A print also hand designed by me with one of my favorite quotes from Esther, perhaps you were born for such a time as this. You also get in the collection a pair of handmade clay earrings that I make and pray over with this awesome compass design as a subtle and fashionable reminder to let Jesus be your true north. And you get a durable vinyl sticker for your water bottle that says verso l'alto, which means to the heights. 
And additionally, you get access to 10 of the most popular talks from the God's Adventure Awaits Summit to help you make life choices from speakers like Jason Everett, Jackie and Bobby Angel, Katie Prejean McGrady, Father Timothy Gallagher, Meg Hunter Kilmer, and me. And you get all of that for 25% off when you purchase the whole collection. So it's a no-brainer this Christmas for any gal in your life or yourself. That's just one of three collections that I'm offering, plus any order of any amount ships free anywhere in the USA. So thank you so much to everyone who's already made a purchase. And thank you to all of you for considering supporting my family and my ministry with a purchase for yourself or your loved ones this Christmas. All right, let's get to the episode with Bridget. Bridget Musacker, welcome to the Calling Caffeinated Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you today. So much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you. Yeah. What are you drinking today? I am drinking pomegranate white tea. I'm usually a coffee person, but I'm switching over to tea and exploring, exploring different fall seasons, you know, and just like the flavors that come with it. So, wow. So I don't even know what white tea means. I know what black tea means. I don't know. It's a Trader Joe's pick that I was like, you know what? This sounds good. So there's a little caffeine in it. So I still get a little something with it. Mm, Nice. Yeah. It's just fruity and, and nice. Pretty and delicious. Trader Joe's is fantastic. If there's one thing I could change about my hometown, I'd build a Trader Joe's here. <laughs> That's probably about it. I love it so much. So what calls have you received from God in your life so far? And what has receiving those calls looked and felt like for you? This is a good and hard question that really got me thinking when you had sent it over. Because I think lately it's been this call of belovedness. I don't know if you listened to Sarah Kroger's latest album, but she has a really powerful song. <gasps> yes. Own Your Belovedness? Yes. Yeah. Oh, and I, I love that song. On repeat. And it's really just been challenging me. Like, yeah, what am I holding on to? Like, where is God calling me? Just that deeper call to holiness. Like, wholeness really equals wholeness. And so just mm-hmm. trying to figure out, like, okay, where do you want me next? And I think, you know, ultimately that question is really playing into being a wife and a mom. Like, how do I lean into this calling and this vocation because I think it's made me like the best version of myself and continues to and it's through like the poopy diapers and the date nights at home with COVID and the random house projects that you know we're trying not to lose our patience about and just those different it's the little things it's just those little things that are really coming up the more time we've had at home to cultivate that and then ultimately in my work with natural family plan just to see where God is leading me next. I think the ride that he's taken me on has been crazy. Like I looking back, it doesn't make sense on paper and all the different ways that he's called, but it's just been like my willingness to say, this is crazy, but yes, I'll do it. And so I think Mm -hmm. just, um, just seeing how that has played out to be where I am now. It's like, okay, God, you've taken me this far. I can trust you in the next process and not getting stuck in the details where I'm like trying to control it. So just trying to surrender that control, which is always really hard. Yes. I found an amazing quote of St. Francis de Sales, and I can't believe I went this long in my life without hearing it before. And it was words to the effect of never have anxiety because the same father who took care of you yesterday will take care of you tomorrow. And either he will remove the obstacles from you or he will give you the strength and the grace to bear it. And when I think about it, I'm like, why does it take me every single time? Why do I have to keep remembering that he's going to pull me through like he has done so many times in the past? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really, yeah, <laughs> it's a That's challenge a to always yes. say it That's again. It's a powerful quote. Just thinking that, that <laughs> like, okay, remember I'm taking care of you. I'm still taking care of you. I'm going to provide yes. you everything I need. It's like, why do I forget that all the time? I know. 
Totally. And I love, uh, I love that song, Own Your Belovedness. Um, I wish that it had been written like 15 years ago, 10 years ago, when I was really, really struggling with self-image. But I did hear it when it came out this year, I think, right? Yeah, it was this year. Okay, I'm going to link to that in the show notes, the, the YouTube video. And actually, let me see if I can find something back here in the drawers. Um, oh, here it is. <laughs> so you want to talk about Beloved, I literally put it on the t-shirt. Yeah, there we go. And that's awesome. We need the reminder. Like I need it like written and in song and in clothing, like everything, because I forget it so easily. And that song was just like hitting me this morning. Like, what am I doing? Like, how have I forgotten this? Like every day I forget that this is more important, like than anything else. Yeah. And you didn't know you were doing this, but you're actually a walking advertisement for some items I just released in my shop <laughs> called the Beloved Collection. <laughs> We literally, <laughs> thanks, Bridget. Thanks for the free advertising. Holy Spirit, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think with being home and being so cooped up here for so, for so long for COVID uh, quarantine, I also, like you, felt this need for reminders around me of my belovedness. So I have like my, my water bottle right here and I put a sticker on it, says your promise is sweeter than honey. So I designed that little sticker there and I created this little beloved collection. This is not turning into an infomercial, I promise. I'm just affirming what you were saying that I felt like I needed all of these little reminders. Um, and so the t-shirt and the earrings and the print, you know, with the, um, the quote from song of songs that says you have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. One of my favorite quotes of all time. I was like, I'm putting that on the wall. <laughs> we need that on the wall. Yeah. 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 So many like physical reminders. Otherwise of all the lies, it's like, why don't we have physical reminders of the truth? Yes, absolutely. I love that you're doing that. Well, now I'm going to go shopping after this. So. Yeah, check it out. I was going to say, I'll send you a shirt. <laughs> I'll send you a beloved shirt. <laughs> so every time you look in the mirror, you're like, oh yeah, this is who I am. Yeah. So I would love to hear more about managingyourfertility.com and what your call to start that looked like, where that came from. Um, and I'm sure this is going to play into it as well, but probably for anyone who is new to Catholicism or maybe doesn't understand, um, you know, how it goes or what it's all about. What is natural family planning and why is it important? Yeah. So I'll tackle that question first and kind of build in like where this website came from. So natural family planning is really the Catholic church's terminology for the integration of science and theology, specifically theology of the body. So it's the practice of tracking a woman's cycle, looking at her fertile and infertile times and being able to implement theology of the body and really understanding our personhood. It's, it's a tool to really root out lust and to really grow in love, especially for couples. And it doesn't um, require, and you know, the church doesn't ask of us to use contraception. It's not morally permissible. So it's really looking at seeing, okay, during those times of fertility, when we're saying, okay, as a couple, are we discerning to conceive or not? Where is God calling us in that to say, okay, well, if we're not open to life right now, and this isn't where God calling, calling us in our family, we're going to abstain. And I think that is so countercultural, but that's really the deeper call to live out a free, total, faithful, and fruitful love. And so um, we're often seeing some um, language around fertility awareness also being used in relationship with natural family planning, just because a lot of times there can be some confusion, especially with unmarried women, like, well, I'm not looking to plan a family. I'm not married yet, or I'm not engaged yet. So we're really trying to broaden the conversation to say, this is so important to understand who you are, who God made you to be and understanding how your body works mm -hmm. and the power that comes from owning your body's data and being able to advocate for what you need 
to be able to get the care that you need so that you're really truly respecting who you are and who you're made to be. And you're not shutting down normal functioning system, which is your reproductive Mm -hmm. system and how it impacts the rest of your health. Mm -hmm. So it's really a super beautiful teaching. And I think we're really starting to see it more and more talked about and women interested because we're seeing so many shifts in conversation around wanting to be toxic free and toxin free. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to see how like the church has already brought this to us and said like, you know, we already covered that. Like, here's a a beautiful teaching to allow us to be able to do that is really, really amazing. So it is, you have an amazing Ted talk on your website um, called owning your data basically. And uh, from just watching my grandparents go in and out of the hospital a lot in the last, you know, couple of years. And my dad had cancer last year and I've had two babies. I'm pregnant with my third. Now I've seen, we've all seen a lot of doctors and it's amazing how uh, we need to be able to, like like the TED Talk says, own our body's data, understand how it works. Instead of treating our reproductive systems like they're a problem that needs to be shut down, working with them and understanding them. Um, and that goes for both women and also men because they're the other part of the equation. Um, I did a whole episode actually about discerning your family size, which um, I'll put that in the show notes. It was with my friend, Melanie Smith, because I actually did the episode because I was working through a lot of like Catholic mom guilt of, do I always have to be pregnant? Should I always be trying to have another child? Is the default that you're always either pregnant or breastfeeding as a Catholic mom? And so we discussed that whole thing in that episode. So that's just a further additional NFP resource for people. But, um, but I agree, like it is so important um, to, to really understand what's actually going on. And I love how you said it's honoring who you are, who you already are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are the different natural family planning methods that are available? Yeah. So they're really, to think about it, uh, three categories. So there's centothermal mucus only and hormonal only. Symptothermal is taking a cervical mucus changes, you're tracking that. And then you're also pairing that with basal body temperature. So your waking temperature to be able to determine the beginning and ending of your fertile period. And most commonly, you're going to see um, couple to couple league and symptopro fertility education as the two most prominent organizations leading the teaching and the training. And those are what I like to say, like science approved and church approved. So those are both like really good resources to use. They're very well established and they're looking to, you know, making sure that they're in line with church teaching, but then also the latest that's coming out with the science as well. And that's true for all methods. And what I also list on the website too, because it can get a little confusing with so many different options available with apps, which I I can talk about a little later. So that's symptothermal. And then with hormonal only, you're actually using an electronic fertility monitor and it's a little more tech heavy. It's a little more gadget heavy, um, but you're really using that to be able to determine um, different fluctuations in your hormones. So progesterone, the luteinizing hormone. And so you're able again to determine beginning and ending of that fertile period. And it can be sometimes a little bit more on the more expensive end of a fertility awareness method because um, you have have the tech that you're buying to be able to regularly test, but it's also the most common um, method that's used postpartum because it's kind of the wild west of NFP for a lot of women. Your body's <laughs> and it's crazy. I know we made that switch. I have an almost nine month old, and it yep, it's a little, it's kind of crazy, but it, it's not bad to say that. And it's you know, it's not scary. It's just what it is. Um, your body's like training it back on track. Nobody told me this before I before I had children. I was like what is this whole postpartum thing? It's like, you know, everything changes. Yeah. Yeah, So most commonly it's Marquette, the Marquette method. And right now, um, whole mission is really leading the way and providing a lot of online training, 
coursework documents they're doing a really great job and mm-hmm. they're phenomenal on instagram too if that's something you're interested in following just to get a flavor for different methods too they're doing a really great job and just sharing what is their um, name again sorry okay great if yeah. you could send me just the links for all these that would be awesome yes I you. yeah i'll put them in the show notes mm-hmm. sure. and then the third one is mucus only so that's really you're focusing on cervical mucus and you're looking at like is it tacky is it stretchy is it sticky and the most common um and and I mean, really leading the way in a lot of NFP methods is the Creighton model. And they're tied really specifically with NAPRO technology. So they are oftentimes recommended if you have any underlying concerns or you've been diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome, or if you're looking at endometriosis or something that's still undefined. So they're really working with practitioners and surgeons to be able to get at underlying issues. So they're not just saying, okay, here's hormonal contraception because that seems to be the best fit. It's really trying to see what hormones are at play to care for you and the specific hormonal needs you have. Um, So that's really the most common method that goes under mucus only. And um, some women use it their entire, you know, for for fertile years, like they're every cycle, they've got it. And for others, it's not the best fit. They find that they're switching over to something else. Yes. We were taught Creighton, but eventually switch to Marquette because uh, especially with the postpartum period. Um, so I got pregnant after my first son, I got pregnant on my wedding night. And then when I was three months postpartum, I got pregnant again. So we had two children by our second wedding anniversary. And I was like, okay, we got to find something else. We got to switch. And I started, started talking to my, my friends, um, you know, and what a beautiful thing. Like it's, Yes, it was hard to have two babies right in a row, but what a lovely thing that like the worst case scenario for NFP is that you have a baby who you end up just loving and adoring, you know? Um, And uh, so, so yeah, I had two little ones and I was like, we got to switch. So I started talking to my friends and discovered the Marquette method. And I have to say, we love it. Um, It's to the point where I actually don't even chart anymore. I just use, I can use the sticks. I'm pregnant now, so I'm not doing anything. But (laughs) when I am charting or when I am, um, you know, tracking it, um, it's so much easier. And the reason I love, I think they're all good. They all have various, you know, strengths. Like I'm not here to say Creighton's not good at all. Um, It just didn't work. It was harder for me to read and to understand. And I think that was kind of a really hard thing that nobody told me that there's going to be different methods that are better for different people, which is probably why it's an awesome idea if you're a single woman to just go ahead and start figuring out the method that works for you before you have all the stress of wedding planning that's going to mess with your cycle anyway. And then trying to figure that out and move in with your husband and, you know, like get used to being married. Start it early is my recommendation. I wish I'd started a lot earlier. Um, but I do have friends who have, uh, who have really succeeded in overcoming PCOS or endometriosis or, or, uh, you know, being able to conceive when they wanted to through the Creighton method. So I know that there's a lot of really good stuff that comes out of there. Um, but just for like, if you're listening and you're, um, a mom of a lot of little kids like I am, and you have not a lot of time um, to observe cervical mucus and because uh, that's hard, you know, you, you kind of have to, I, well, with, with Marquette, you do observe cervical mucus, but it, there's also a secondary method, which is using the test sticks to, to measure where your hormones are at. And I love it because there is that safety net there 
that I don't have to wake up at the same time every single day, especially if I've had a rough night with the kids to take my, my basal body temperature. And I, I don't have to rely solely on mucus to, uh, you know, cause if I miss it or if I'm busy and the kids are screaming, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm, was it stretchy? Was it tacky? Was it wet and slippery? Like, yeah, right. Exactly. So with all the pressures and this, and just the busyness of family life, I love Marquette. I don't think I'll ever switch again. Although who knows? But um, I mean, I've, I've used two different symptothermal methods and then switched over to Marquette and it was like, okay, all right, that's just what we're going to do. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. It is an initial investment. So I actually, um, my husband and I love a deal. So <laughs> I went on eBay and I actually got a, I think 30 test sticks as well as a monitor for something like $60 to $80. So if you buy them new, um, it is a little bit, what, like $200 investment, 150 maybe? I think it like upfront cost, like around 200. And I know with, if you're buying through Amazon, they do have the FSA and HSA availability for both items for test strips and then for the monitor now. Mm -hmm. So I know that can vary for each person with insurance because insurance is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just a nice option to know too. And Walmart also has really great prices for test strips. They're better, I think, right now than Amazon. So, wow. Excellent. And you can also sometimes find them on eBay too, if they're yes, unexpired. Yep. If they're unexpired and unopened, you're good to go. So really, if you're willing to hunt a little bit, if that's a barrier, which it sometimes can be, and I think that's something that we need to get away from saying NFP is virtually free. It's not. You do have to pay for a practitioner and for any materials that you need, but it really long-term, it's not that expensive. It's yeah. very easy to build in. Unfortunately, there are methods that will try to find financial plans too. So that if you're really struggling, you're like, I can't pay this fee. They work with you on that too, which is super yes. great. So you're not just like stuck with a flat fee and like, there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Right. And a lot of people will get rid of their monitors because the monitors were actually created to help achieve pregnancy, not yes. to avoid it. So if you are looking to actually continue using it for years, maybe someone has achieved pregnancy and now they're looking to sell their monitor so you can get a deal on it. And then after that initial investment, so I started using Marquette when I was postpartum. So it was a stick pretty much every day is what I needed to use. So that's essentially a dollar a day, about 30, 30 to $40 a month. Now it's to the point where uh, when I was, my cycle was back and it was regular as I was breastfeeding, $5 a month. Like, right. you know, each stick is approximately a dollar and you use about five per month. So it's really not, it's so small. Like it's really, really, really not a huge, it, like $5 a month. You're like, that's a, that's a coffee from Starbucks or caribou. Like, absolutely. You can do that. You can do that. <laughs> anyone, anyone can do that. Right, <laughs> right exactly. And, and even the, you know, the upfront cost is not to me initially prohibitive. If you just decide that it's important, which um, is an investment in your future marriage and an investment in yourself and an investment in understanding your larger purpose. So um, exactly. you're going to set aside money and the, and the financial, you know, you're going to put together a plan if it matters to you and it's important to you exactly. and you're not looking at thousands of dollars, you know, you're looking at a couple hundred dollars. It's like, okay, how can I build that in? How can I make this yes. people to do this? And who do I need to work with to figure out how to make this possible? Which yes. it really is, which it really is. Yeah. And we were recommended an NFP instructor who was able to do our initial meeting over Skype. And then she provided sort of unlimited support after that, if I had questions and she was great. I think it was $75 for the consultation and for all of her, 
or consultation is the wrong word, maybe her coaching or her teaching. And yeah. then, um, and then for like all, all inclusive $75, again, not a huge investment, right? Like really not, not a lot. Appointments and depending on your insurance, I mean, it's really affordable in that sense when you're looking at the healthcare system as a whole. Absolutely. Um, more affordable that way. And that's, I mean, again, like with the financial plans that a lot of practitioners will offer and they have initial calls too that they'll set up like here, let's have a 15 minute consultation to see if we're a good fit. So you're, so they're trying to get rid of the, you know, that fear of, oh my gosh, I'm investing in what if we don't get along or what if we're not really working out and I need someone else, you know, they're really trying to make it flexible for users so that you're getting what you want and you're feeling comfortable because it's a, it's a personal conversation to have and you need to feel comfortable with your practitioner. That's a, yes. that's a huge aspect of, of this too, is really making sure like you feel comfortable and confident in charting and know that you can go to your practitioner with the questions that you have. Yes. Yes. So what are the different, we're kind of, are already getting into this. We're talking about, you know, depending on how your body works and what, where you are in your life, what's a good method, but are there further criteria, you know, that will, that you could give that would help women decide, you know, this, this might be the right direction to go for me. Yeah, there's definitely some categories to think about. And I think as a whole, when you're starting out charting, like you're going to grow in self-awareness of your body and what works best for you. And so I think too, if you can start charting, you know, before you're in that engagement period, that's great. But if you're in the engagement period, you have six months left to go before you saying I do, that's okay too. Just know that, you know, if you're looking to change methods, you know, because you've realized the method doesn't work, your practitioner is not really working, you've switched, it's still not a fit that's okay. And that even if you're in six months of newlywed bliss and you're switching, that's fine. That's okay. Mm -hmm. You can give yourself permission to do that. I think some of the questions when you're first starting out are really figuring out your lifestyle. Like, are you getting up in the middle of the night a lot? Do you have a shift where you're a nurse in the middle of the night and that's kind of your, your deal? Then maybe basal body temperature is mm -hmm. not really for you. I know there's some great technology with temp drop, but if you're not able to get up at a consistent time and not drink water before you pop the thermometer in your mouth to do that check, and that's just a really hard thing for you or even just getting up consistently at the same time to do that you keep forgetting even with an alarm then maybe that's not going to be the best fit for you to be doing that. And something like Marquette, so the hormonal only or the mucus only might be better. Um, and like what you were saying with checking with mucus, if you find like it's just you can't keep track of it even with an app or it's just really hard to tell the differences and it's really confusing. Maybe you just have tons of mucus all the time. That can be true for some women. And sometimes women like using Creighton for that reason and they they can figure that out. And others are just like, I can't do this. I'm stressed out by this. I need hormonal only. I need Marquette. I need that secondary like hormones check and I need to have that fertility monitor with me to be able to help me figure out what the heck am I looking at mm -hmm. um, so I think those are some good questions I think also just lifestyle in general like you know what um you know, what time are you getting up? Okay. That's a good one to ask, but also like during the day, like what's your schedule look like? Is it really hectic? Are you able to go to the bathroom and wipe and check mucus pretty regularly? Like all the methods do require you to do that, but some are a little more intensive than others. So if, you know, mucus only is kind of stressful. Okay. Well then let's maybe look at symptothermal to have that thermometer check, you know, to say, okay, basal body temperature. Um, but I think, you know, overall, it's really just paying attention and being self-aware as you're working with the method, what's working, what's not, and making note of that. Um, because I think especially when you're a first-time charter, it can feel 
kind of overwhelming and uncomfortable as it is. And so that doesn't necessarily mean, okay, I need to switch right away. This is a problem. It's really saying, okay, let me just like write a list, like even in my phone to say, okay, this is working really well. This isn't, you know, like I'm doing really well taking my temperature. I stink at figuring out cervical mucus. Well, sometimes that can just take time to figure that out. So really making sure, again, I think working with a practitioner is like one of the biggest things that I will say over and over again to people, because I think sometimes with the, with apps and everything, people want to just do it on their own and figure it out. But it really helps to have a practitioner and invest that money to, because they're going to be really good at asking you really specific questions that help you along that journey of building self-awareness. Like, okay, so you're getting up at five 30 in the morning to take your temperature. What's going on? Like, are you forgetting? Is it a hard, like, does your alarm not go up? You know, really like nitty gritty things that, you know, you need someone to ask you that to like keep that accountability too. So you can really get at the problem. Like, is it, you just like not being a good fit for the method or is it that there's something else maybe going on with your cycle that like the signs are all getting messed up and you can't really distinguish between certain aspects of your cycle too. So I think it's just trying to think a little bit bigger picture in those questions um, before getting super nitty gritty, because I think when you're first starting out, it, it can be a little overwhelming. And so just to try to figure out, okay, the idea of a really structured like charting method sounds great to me and I want that. Okay, then mm-hmm. symptothermal might might be a good fit. If you're really tech heavy and you love all the tech and you want all the data and that just sounds awesome, then hormone only is probably going to be a really good fit for you. And obviously there might be nuances with your cycle that would also help that. If you just want mucus and you just want to own the mucus and you want to understand how it works and that's all you want to think about and get really good at, mucus only is awesome for you. And so I think like trying to think about it in that way is sometimes really helpful because some women yeah. mucus is disgusting and they don't want to deal with it. Well, you have to in each method. And I think there's, there's an aspect of that is just like, it, yeah, there's an element that it's kind of gross, but also I think as you embrace NFP more and you embrace charting more, you start to realize like, this is actually amazing. And I'm not totally hating my cervical mucus anymore, but when you first start out, yeah, it's okay that you're like, this is gross. It's like, yeah. It doesn't mean you hate your body and you hate like your fertility. It's just, you're acknowledging where you're at. <laughs> it's real. Nobody has ever come on this show before and said, own your mucus before. <laughs> so I just want to celebrate that for a minute that that has now happened. I can check that out. I wasn't looking for it, but apparently that needed to happen. <laughs> Hilarious. And a few section to your shop and have a, have a whole sticker there. <laughs> So actually, I wanted to create, (laughs) I wanted to create a bumper sticker. It's just like such a Catholic inside joke or Christian inside joke. Be like, I heart luteal phase, (laughs) 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 which is the phase after you ovulate when it is, um, you know, safe to, uh, if you are trying to avoid uh, pregnancy, it's safe to make love at any point in that, in that time frame. Um, Yeah. Even, uh, just one thing for me, maybe this sounds like a small thing, but I just really like life. So you're talking about lifestyle and knowing yourself and knowing your body. I stink at falling back asleep once I have been woken up. And that's been a problem for me with waking up and breastfeeding in the middle of the night. I put the baby back to sleep and then I, I stink at falling back asleep. So knowing that about myself, I was like, there's no way I'm going with symptothermal because first of all, I'm not even sleeping. You have to be asleep for what? Four continuous hours. Four hours, yeah. At least four hours continuously beforehand. I'm like, well, that's not really happening. 
most nights because our one of our toddlers comes in the room or you know whatever pregnancy insomnia and then once i do if i know i have the alarm going off at 5 30 i'm not going to be able to fall asleep after that and i'm not waking up every day at 5 30. so i was like forget it <laughs> or going with something else um it is so great though that there are different methods available and i, I want to encourage anyone out there who feels overwhelmed i hope this is giving you a direction to go but i also want to encourage you to be persistent um NFP is not the, actually, I'd love to hear about your experience with your marriage, but my husband and I have found that it's not the honeymoon every month uh, experience that you're sort of promised. <laughs> and I understand it's a hard sell for the church to say, you, this is part of being married is that you have to have self-control. It's sort of like, you know, it's like telling someone they have to eat in moderation. And it's like, you know, it's way easier to sell an all-you-can-eat buffet than it is to sell a healthy lifestyle um, and diet and exercise. But ultimately, longevity is the result of healthy diet and, you know, moderation in eating. And the same thing is true with NFP. You know, it's, it's a, there's a good reason why the statistic is something like 98% of couples who use NFP stay together versus 50% or something like that of the national divorce rate. So it definitely has its benefits, but my husband says all the time, he's like, it's a cross. <laughs> he's like, it's a necessary cross, but it is a cross, yeah. um, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's, you know, it's persisting in it and finding that right method that works for you. Um, there was a time, I will say, after we got married, there was a time when I felt like NFP was oppressive, you know, in my life because I didn't have the right method. I had two little children who we hadn't planned. And at the time, it was very, very hard. I had postpartum depression too. So it was just really hard to see beyond tomorrow, you know, um, but I'm so glad that I did persist in it because um, ultimately, you know, I never feel used by my husband ever. And we talk, we communicate, you know, it does bring us together um, in ways that, that we would not be together, we wouldn't be intimate, we wouldn't be able to have this emotional depth with with contraception. Um, and so uh, it really leads him to respect my body and it leads me to respect my body. Um, and also gets a lot less gross as you <laughs> as you go on. I feel very comfortable talking about this, whereas like five years ago, I would have been blushing, you know, <laughs> before yeah. I got married. Oh, yeah. like, gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what, uh, what is your experience with NFP as far as just do you, do you all agree that it's kind of a, the tough sell that is one of those, like, you know, like a cross, like you love to hate it kind of thing. Yeah. Love to hear about your experience. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's so much here that you're saying. I was like, okay, first of all, the fact that we sell this is like the honeymoon period and every month is like, you know, roses and chocolate and so much fun. That's trash. We are like not selling the truth to couples by doing that. And we're also just turning people into bitter bitter NFP users mm -hmm. because we're not being honest about the fact that like there are going to be seasons where it's freaking hard. Yeah. And like, it's going to be a struggle to, because it's, it's ultimately like the virtue builder of your marriage because it's challenging you in a space that's so intimate and like you wanting to like fully bear yourself, like literally and like spiritually to your spouse. And you're mm -hmm. also like saying, okay, hey, we're going to invite God into this space. And it's like, okay, well that's uncomfortable because like, we're not used to hearing that anywhere else. It's so countercultural yes. and so to be able to build out this message that like, okay, well, this is actually going to help you grow in virtue and root out the lust that's in your life so that you can actually love your spouse and not use them. Mm -hmm. Those are like huge concepts that to talk about sound.
great, but to put into practice, it challenges you to your core because you're forced to look at yourself and your spouse in a way that it's like, wow, am I actually loving you or am Mm -hmm. I just lusting after you? And I just want to get in your pants when I actually need to like take a minute and figure out like, what am I doing? Like, am I actually respecting you person as the person Mm -hmm. in front of me who I've been called to love? So I think like we need to be way more honest about the fact that NFP can be a cross, but it's a beautiful cross. And ultimately those crosses lead us to the ultimate joy in our relationships and in our life. And that God Mm -hmm. uses those, those spaces of hardship, you know, to help us to grow in love, to grow in virtue. And I mean, even saying that can still sound kind of like fluffy. You're like, yeah, okay. Um, you know, know, for us, like with using NFP, so the website really came about as a one-stop shop because I, we couldn't find a method. We booked in like during engagement, like half hour, like the church is like so on board with NFP. We're just going to pick a method, go, we'll learn it, see how it goes. Mm. And we couldn't find like a resource that showed us everything and really explained in depth, like what is NFP Mm. and how is it not Catholic birth control? And like, how are we supposed to best implement this? So really out of this space of frustration, this website came to be. And in the process Um, you know, I'm engaged, newly married, building this out and learning and just like in the trenches, like, what am I doing, Lord? Like, what are you having me do? And this is hard, you know, but I think it really, um, pushed me to realize like, this is not supposed to be sugarcoated. This is not supposed to be, you know, super light and fluffy and pretty. Like we need to have honest conversations because this is such an intimate and beautiful thing. And we need to be encouraging couples to understand what the theology of the body is. And then also that the church is is pro-science and is wanting women to understand and love their bodies Mm -hmm. and be able to have their spouses love their bodies too, so that we're not saying, this is gross. I don't accept this part of you. Um, So in in our process, I was, we were using um, couple to couple league and then we switched over to femme. And that was actually through that process. I found out that I had a shorter luteal phase. So that was just kind of messing with our charting. And at the time we we had discerned, you know, to abstain from having, um, sex during the fertile period we were like okay i don't think god's calling us to have kids but if he if he gives us a baby like it's gonna be fine we can do this like this is ultimately the call that can be scary at times um but i think we initially thought like wow we're like so good at nfp like obviously this is working so well and then in the process of finding a problem i was like oh my gosh, like maybe there's actually something going on, you know, because I was struggling with, okay, I know, you know, the effectiveness and the accuracy, but also like, there's something else underlying going on that maybe this is why in those moments where we're like, let's risk it. We like, we weren't conceiving because I had um, hormonal imbalances that just weren't being detected. And it took a, a hormonal blood panel to be able to determine that. So that was like a year of, of different tests and determining, okay, do I have PCOS or not? Um, what else is going on? It looks like it's my testosterone. So in that process, it was like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to trust you in this, but this is not what I expected. Um mm. And I think before that, when we were a little more like, okay, yeah, we're going to abstain. Um, we would definitely, we had like a theme song, bang my head against the wall with Sia. And we just like play it during those times we're abstaining just for the heck of it, because we weren't (laughs) stupid about it. We're like, okay, well, let's just, uh, let's just own this abstinence part. This is hard, but we, I think it brought about really good conversations for us Mm -hmm. in that process and saying like, okay, well, we really shouldn't have a theme song. Like what's going on? Why are we frustrated? Mm -hmm. And what you're saying with your husband, like that intimate seen that that connection um it really deepened for us it pushed conversations that were hard and i mean like when they when like some of the advertising around nfp saying you're going to have hard conversations it's going to build your communication that's true if you choose to lean into it 
Yes. And I think that was something that was really coming up for us. Like, okay, yeah, why are we choosing to not have, you know, open to life, having a baby right now? What's going on? Like, is, mm. are, there, are our reasons serious enough? And so it really pushed us to have these questions. Where I was like, yeah, I think it is time. And then in that process, we had to lean in again because it was like, okay, it's not going the way we thought it would. And we thought mm-hmm. my cycle was super great and it's maybe off here. And so in that process of, um, we had a miscarriage before, um, conceiving Felicity. And so in that too, it was like, okay, we have to like lean in again. Like this is not just us controlling. And I think there's a sense of if NFP is going well or not, like you're, it's a control tactic and it's not. And I think that's been that, that learning curve, like, okay, I have to surrender this. I have to give this up and I have to do it with my spouse. And we need to like, actually talk about this and choose this together. And if we're yeah. finally we're not on the same page, which did happen as it was like, this doesn't mean our marriage is falling apart. This doesn't mean we're against each other. It just means we're in different places and we need to pray about this. And we need to like, keep talking and not yeah. shut down and thinking like, Oh my gosh, you want a baby. And I don't, what's wrong with me or what's mm-hmm. wrong with you? Because we're supposed to be open to life when it's like, okay, well maybe there's something else going on psychologically or like financially right now that you're worried about that we need to talk about that's impacting this decision for us that maybe is serious or maybe it's not and it's a deeper wound and that's the other I mean it there's so many aspects to go to but I think it really brings up those deeper wounds when it comes to discernment absolutely about, okay yes or no for kids like especially around like for I would say for me personally with finances I can tend to get more worked up about finances and financial security and I think um you know with my husband David he has to remind me like okay but God's in control like he could take away everything like Job and so like we have to be okay with that and so just that that conversation in and of itself is so hard when it's a big one and things that's come up for me mm-hmm. and you know, there are so many others and that's why the church doesn't give specific questions or specific reasons why you can or cannot have a child or should or should not have a child it's really categorical because it's like for every person it's going to be so different for every wound that you have it's going to look so different and this is mm-hmm. why you need prayer you need communication you need spiritual directors around you to help you and to love you and to help you in the space to grow so that you really are like saying yes, ultimately to God and your vocation remembering it's not just the two of you looking at each other. It's really like saying yes to what God has planned for you. There's so much. I mean, it's just unreal that can yeah. get unpacked with NFP that yes. I don't we'll realize. Yes. I love that you brought up that deeper aspect of how NFP in a sense forces those deeper conversations that need to happen. You can't shove it under the rug. And that's part of what's hard about it, but it's also part of what's really, 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 really good because you can't just um, be quiet and just keep going forward one foot in front of the other. You have to communicate. And that's really how it should be in a marriage. Um, And I think probably a lot of marriages that end do so because they shove things under the rug and and things don't get addressed. Um, And then, like you said, I totally resonated with that. Like, you know, if if my husband's like, I think it's time to have another child. He totally had baby fever. He would scan these beautiful little babies at the hospital where he works and he'd come home and he'd be like, oh, I scanned the most beautiful baby. Can we have another one? And I'd be like, honey, I am like, I had to explain why I was so afraid of having another child. And I had to kind of search within myself to say, what is the reason? What is the, what is it underlying here? And I had, you know, good reasons and he accepted those and he totally was understanding and he wasn't pushing me or anything like that. But it, it forced that it forced me to look deeply into myself and reflect, which wouldn't have had to happen if we were contracepting. And I could just say, well, you know, we can just, we can just keep 
keep going along and you can have what you want. At least you can have, you know, we can have intimacy, but we don't have to have a child. Um, right. It really, it ties that responsibility of, of children in with intimacy, right. which is yeah. <clears throat> right. Yeah. yeah. You're saying with respect, that's what it, it keeps coming back to me too. It, NFP mm. really is pushing up this respect and, and consent really of both spouses and understanding like, you know, am I really being respected when I say no? And I think with contraception on the table, the, your, the availability of your body becomes uh, much more um, loose in the sense that like, it's really unclear. Like, what does that really mean? Like, why are, why are we really having sex or not where it's, it's not as much of a conversation. It's just like, Oh, this person, like my spouse really wants this. And it's not to say like, it's always the husband, you know, women can, you know, have libido too. So it's just that idea though. Like when you're half, when you're having to have those conversations that challenge you to have like bonding and babies, both are at the table. It's, it's pushing you to really think about, yeah, do I respect my spouse and what they're saying? Like, okay, mm-hmm. if these are the reasons that they're really struggling. I'm not going to say, let's just, let's just have sex anyway tonight. Cause it's going to feel so good because if that person is stressed out and these are the things that are freaking them out, they're not going to, they're not going to be able to enjoy being intimate together and having sex together. But also like, this isn't me respecting this person and the fears, or the concerns they have on either yes. side. Um, you know, husband or wife. And so I think with NFP to be able to have that come up so strongly and be a part of the conversation regularly, whether you're saying it or not, that's what's on the table. And I think that's a total shift culturally because that's not usually on the table when you're dealing with birth control, even if you're in a loving relationship, because Mm -hmm. you don't have that element where you're having to have like a monthly conversation when it's like, oh my gosh, I'm super into you and physiologically and hormonally, like we're ready to go. But we know, and these are the reasons why we're determining and deciding and discerning that we're going to abstain. Okay. Like mm-hmm. that, now we need to be creative and how we're going to love each other and really have to address, like, if I'm really frustrated, what's going on in me and can I let that go to be able to actually love the person in front of me? Yeah. And then you have to, in that process, you also learn about your spouse. What are the ways that make you feel loved and how do yeah. I do that in those times where we are feeling ready to go and aren't, yeah. you know, but aren't ready to have another child. And um, so not only is it forcing the conversations, but then you're also, you have to really stop and see the other person and learn about them and enter into their world and enter into their reality mm-hmm. in a way that um, it is, is beautiful and is good and it produces long-term fruit you know, um, yeah, I totally, I relate to everything you say. There's something else I was going to add to that, but I can't remember what it was. Um, just that I totally resonate, I guess. Yeah. One thing that, that is, um, I hope this isn't TMI. I guess it's only TMI if I decide it is at this point. (laughs) Around, around any of this topic. So go for it. Yeah. Um, I guess one of the things that is like a consistent struggle for us is, um, you know, hormonally, like you said, there's times a month where a woman, when you're fertile, you, you are ready to go more than say the luteal phase or, you know, like when you are not fertile. And so to, to take advantage of those available times, but not to be like feeling super in the mood that actually is really, um, I mean, it is hard. Like, I'm not going to pretend that it's not because yeah. you're, you confront your own selfishness very quickly. Cause you're like, Oh, but I wanted to, you know, get this interview lined up tonight and read this book for this author. I'm going to interview and then design my website for this thing. I, I had all these things on my to-do list that I wanted to do, but knowing that 
I need to set those aside sometimes and, and prioritize my spouse is, um, and you brought up the word surrender earlier. There's so much that always comes up in my ministry about surrender and the importance of it. And to look, uh, to look at your to-do list and then to look at him and say, I choose you tonight. I choose you over this is something that God really, really, really blesses um, with so much joy. And I, I'm always amazed that like God is so generous because the, um, I can't speak for anyone else's sex life, but my, you know, John, and I find that in the times when I most need to have that generosity and that surrender, that's when the joy and the enjoyment is the greatest. Yes. And, you know, we, sometimes we'll like look at each other and just be like, I can't even believe that that was possible. Like if anyone had told me that that's what that intimacy would be like, I would have been yeah. such a better person before I met you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would have been so much more patient before I met you and so much more virtuous knowing that you were coming along because I didn't know that this kind of joy was possible. And, um, it's really, it is beautiful. Like, I don't want to, I know we talk about how hard NFP is, but also, um, it's so, it is so good and so beautiful when you are married and you are entering into that emotional intimacy together and that physical intimacy together. And, um, yeah, uh, so worth the wait, (laughs) so worth the patience. Yeah. And it's the both and there's the sorrow and the joy and it's okay that they coexist. You know, as Catholics, yes. we believe in that coexistence because it's mm-hmm. necessary for us to really understand the beauty of what, of what we practice mm-hmm. and what we believe. And, you know, within NFP, definitely. I had a mentor when I was engaged um, and she had said, the devil will do everything to try to bring you together physically before you're married. And he will do everything he can to tear you apart once you're married. And mm-hmm. I remember just as you were talking and saying like, when I have to give up, my selfishness or my plans that I have to say, I choose you. I just was like totally struck by that moment. I haven't thought about it so long that, yeah, I mean, the devil's going to do everything he can to make it look like, you know, this isn't important. You don't need this. You're already married, like whatever. And it's like, no, I need to invest in this person. This person who I married comes first before Mm -hmm. my kids, before my work, before everything else, you know, and obviously, yes, you're going to take care of your kids. You're not just going to have them like doing whatever, but I think, you know, we have to like refocus and remember our spouse comes first because from Mm -hmm. that is how we love better and how we work better and how we play better. And just like, we do everything so much better because we're, we're saying, okay, yes, God, I'm saying yes to you because I'm saying yes to my vocation. And I think it's like, just what you said, I, and saying, I choose you. It's not that begrudging, like, Oh, okay. Like fine. Let's just have sex. Cause I feel guilty and I'm, I should mm-hmm. do this. It's like, maybe that happens, you know, and we have to be honest with ourselves if it does, mm-hmm. but ultimately can I get to that space to say like, no, I choose you. I choose you as my spouse, as my beloved. And I'm saying no to everything else that I really want to do. And I trust that God is going to provide me the time that I need to do these other things so I can prioritize you. And I know for, for David and I, when we do that, I mean, like, it's like everything else is better. And like, you see things in a clearer way. It's like, mm-hmm. I chose you, I'm choosing you, you know, it's not just in making your breakfast or like you brought me coffee or like, I wrote you a note. It's like, yeah, I'm choosing you in sex too. And this intimacy, this physical, emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. And it's like that clarity of like, yeah, that's what I should have. That's what I need to be doing is choosing you. And it, mm-hmm. I think it just helps to reorient that. And there's not to say there's there's challenges or there's pain or there's hardships um, in sex, depending on your experiences. And that can exist too, which can make it challenging, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is like a whole other episode in and of itself. But I think, you know, we're just touching at the surface, like, you know, 
for the most part, you know, normal functioning relationship, you know, we know the wounds exist. We know these things mm-hmm. we hear that can impact that. And so it's not like it may, it's going to be maybe amazing every single time, but it's again, that challenge, that call. Like yes. here to choose my spouse and love my spouse. Yeah. And so much of it too, isn't just like, you know, being good at sex, like, you know, the art of it or whatever, or the, 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 um, method of it. It's, it's really not that I, a lot of it is just, um, everyone's going to know way more about my libido than they want to by the end of this episode. But <laughs> just for me personally, it's that it's my personality is to be a type A go-getter and to do this thing, to get really into a project and to not stop working on that project until it's done. That's my natural inclination. And so setting that aside to say, I choose you in this moment, like I just choose to put aside my to-do list. That is hard. That is, I think, something that I didn't realize I was going to have to confront so much. I, I have to confront that with children. I expected that. But with, even with your spouse, um, and that's been one of those ways of dying to self. But then, like you talked about, like you look at each other differently afterward. Like when you choose um, intimacy and you choose that. And not that you have to choose intimacy every time because there's a million circumstances going on. But when when you know that it is something that is good for your marriage and good for your spouse, and this is a good time of the month, and this is, you know, all signs point to this, and you choose that and you choose your spouse, it is the the fruits that you gain from it. Um, you can't really can't. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, it really sometimes is like putting on rose-colored glasses and seeing the world through those for me. Yeah. Sometimes, not every time, yeah. but a lot of times it's just like, I'm looking at him differently and I am so it's, it, our love becomes a wellspring of grace from which we can love other people and into which we can pour, um, like we can pour ourselves into our other projects from that wellspring, mm-hmm. but it all kind of starts there. Um, and yeah, that dynamic is something that there's nuance, you know, how do you explain yeah. that before you actually experience it? I hope that I do hope this episode kind of helps people just get a little glimpse of the nuance. Like we live in a culture where, uh, well, first of all, so much of what we talk about with sex is taboo um, or you're not allowed to like have, like you said, this sacrifice and also this incredible joy coexisting just because you can't fit that into a Twitter, you know, uh, a a tweet (laughs) and you can't fit that into an Instagram caption. You can't fully capture it in the ways that our society wants you to be able to capture it. Um, yeah, I, I find it wonderful and beautiful and so refreshing that a lot of younger um, men and women now are willing to share and talk about this. And uh, if anyone's listening to this and they're like, I feel like I need more. Um, first of all, you can either email Bridget or me, but yeah. also <laughs> but also find good married couples who are willing to share their experience with you and talk about it. Um, and uh, I did, <laughs> maybe I should share this too. Speaking of nuance, maybe sometimes you need to take what they say with a grain of salt because every relationship is different. It's sort of like asking for parenting advice from someone you trust. It's like, yes, they can probably give you amazing advice, but do take it with a grain of salt and ask yourself, how is God calling me to incorporate this? For example, I went, when I was single, I went to this brunch that was hosted by a married couple and they gave a talk and they are one of, they're the only couple I've ever heard of before who has sex every day. Every day. Yeah. And I don't know what their rule is. We were all like a little scared to ask, like, what if one of you is feeling sick or like, because <laughs> <laughs> we were all like, what? And it was this whole group of young adults and just this one married couple. And they were like, yeah, we go, you know, daily communion 
this is your daily communion of marriage. And so a lot of us left there and we were like, whoa, okay. Yeah. But even <laughs> and a lot of us were really scared because I was like, I don't, I, I was like, is this what marriage is supposed to be? Because they kind of were talking about it as though it was. For them, that worked. And that was a decision that they came to together and they felt called to it. And so that, that was their own thing. And that might be a specific, kind of like a Josephite marriage. It's like, you can look at that and be like, oh, I don't. I don't think I'm called to that either. You know, you can look at it and you can be like, this is a call and it's not mine. Um, and that's sometimes uh, valuable as well. So I've now like given like side advice on both sides of the aisle <laughs> in my quest to achieve nuance. <laughs> I think what you're called to is really important. At the end of the day, you have to determine between you and your spouse. What makes mm-hmm. sense. It's super tempting to look at other couples and say like, okay, well, what are they doing and how does this work? And they don't hear this side a lot or they seem to really enjoy doing this activity. And you can start mm-hmm. to think about that if you talk about you know, sex or emotional intimacy or communication. And you're like, well, we don't do that. It's like, okay, but ultimately like what, what helps you to thrive with your spouse? What do you want? Like, and that can change and it's okay that it changes and that it shifts because, you know, there's, there's seasons to our lives and that includes our marriages. And so like, you know, what's working right now might be great and you're thriving and loving it. And then it might change. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I just feel like we're surviving. What happened? Mm -hmm. This is Mm -hmm. working. Okay. It's time to reassess. And I think that is the beauty of NFP and that it's really making sure that that stays on the table, that it doesn't just get forgotten. It's like, okay, what's working, what's not working. And something you had said too, I think for anyone who's listening, that's engaged and nervous. I know that was something for me was like, okay, am I going to be good at sex or not? Or like, how's this going to work? Yeah. Or whatever. Yes. I think it's a huge aspect too, that that can get kind of nerve wracking because there's so much culturally we talk about, like you need to be good or practice or whatever. Like mm-hmm. that's just so dumb because if you yes. are getting married, you have the rest of your life with this person. And it's so beautiful because if it doesn't work one night, guess what? You can try tomorrow night and it's going to be okay. Like you just, it's like leaning into each other instead of leaning into the gossip column or the magazine or Cosmo, Cosmo, whatever it's called now. Um, and just like any other magazine, whatever that you can find, like don't lean into those things that are like telling you how to do it best. Like lean into your spouse, like ask each other. And like, that's Mm -hmm. where that intimacy grows too, because you have to communicate in sex and say like, Hey, does this feel good? Does this not feel good? Like, does this work for you? Does this not work for you? Mm-hmm. And a great book by um, Dr. Gregory Popchak is Holy Sex. And it talks about related to the woman's cycle too, like what positions feel better or not. And like, what is like, okay to do or not. And like answering some of those questions. And Christopher West also has a great book. Um, I'm trying to remember it's the Q and a book. I can't think of the title off the top of my head right now. Mm. Um, I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember it either. He goes through a really good Q&A of just different aspects of marriage um, and and related to intimacy Mm -hmm. and sex too. That is really helpful, I think, if you're engaged. And again, read what you want. You don't have to read all of these things, but just to know there are resources available. So if you're just like, this isn't working or this is really painful, like it's okay to talk about those things. It's okay to help. And it's like good to lean into your spouse and communicate that to be able to figure out get better you don't have to hide it from your spouse I think that's something right. that I hear sometimes like I just want to be so good it's like that's beautiful that that is like you want to love yeah. this person well you want to bring them joy you want to feel that joy too like you're so excited and maybe you're nervous it's a combo whatever but lean into each other even in those spaces but mm-hmm. you know, again that coexistence of joy and sorrow yes and they're going to be just as nervous and eager to please and eager to um eager to give you a good experience as you are them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, absolutely. hundred thousand percent 
to everything you say. And I realize now looking back, I like, you don't need to be equipped with anything, any special knowledge or anything other than what you already have at this point in your relationship in order to make it, you know, quote unquote success. (laughs) You don't need to, right. Because if you are willing to make, if you are willing to wait for each other until you get married, and even if you, um, even if you haven't waited in the past and now you are, and you're going through that renewed time or whatever, if you are making that commitment and you understand what Catholic marriage is and you're serious enough about being married in a Catholic church, that you are willing to jump through all the hoops, you know, and I know there's a lot of hoops to jump through. I had some very specific things that like, that I wanted at my wedding and the priests were like, nope, we don't do that here. Nope. We don't do that here. And I still got married at that church, gave up those things that I wanted at my wedding. Like I wanted to be able to sing at my own wedding, sing um, the Ave Maria. And they said, no, you're not allowed to do that. I don't know why, but they, they just didn't allow it. It was like a policy. And so I still got married in that Catholic church. And like, if you are willing to go through all, if you're looking at Catholicism and you're saying, these are all the things and I choose them and I'm choosing what this commitment means, you're not going to run away the next day and say, oh, well, you weren't any good last night. So I'm getting out of here. Like that is just not, you can put your mind at rest because that's not the commitment you're making. <laughs> you're not entering into this right. with that and, kind of mindset. And you built up to that moment of saying yes and saying I do to this person. Like you have done so much work in that process if you're doing marriage prep and everything too. And just outside of that, in your relationship to grow together, you're not ready to just ditch this person because it didn't work to the way you thought it would or because you're crying because you're like, this was painful or this was not what I expected. It's like yeah. pull into each other. Like I know couples that are like, oh, we cried on our wedding night because it was just not what we expected. And it's so hard. And other couples are like, we had sex like five times. It was awesome. And so it's like, <laughs> it, there's a range and like wherever you end up is not bad. And it doesn't mean that you failed at marriage or you're failing an FP or you're like going to fail for the rest of your lives. It's, it's a journey. And I think that patience that is asked of all of us takes time. And it's hard when you have the movies that like look so fun and magical and everything just works out and you know, Mm -hmm. like it's not true, but there's that little part of you that's like, but I hope that happens. And it's like, oh, okay. So now what, you know, and I think it's to find the joy of what you're, what you're actually doing, like your real life, like look to your life and pray for the grace of that present moment and asking God to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine a scenario with my husband and me. Like, if you have that trust, you're making that commitment. You're, you know, that you're going to build a life together. I cannot imagine a scenario where a newlywed husband or wife would be like, "I'm out of here." That was just so horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like exactly. if, if it doesn't go perfectly, or there's weird things that happen that you didn't expect. That are like, "What is my body doing here?" And what are you doing? Yeah. You know. Or that it's really it. messy to lay in bed afterwards. You got to clean yeah. stuff up. Uh, nice if somebody said that. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. Those are the things. Like those are, that's why I recommend those books too. It's like, that's oh, okay. Right. Yeah, and then, yeah. And what you don't know isn't going to kill your relationship or your marriage. Right. What you don't know is going to be something that you discover together and you talk about it. You laugh about it. You know, like it. Sometimes it's like, oh, well, that was, that didn't work. Okay. You know, (laughs) that's fine. Let's try again. You know, but I, but in the process of saying like that didn't work, there's so much like, but I appreciate you trying, but I love you. You know, I love you even more because I learned something about you or, you know, we're, we're going to just laugh it off and try again, whatever. It's that totally, you're inviting each other into that's so powerful. And it's like, allow yourselves to be in that space together. 
Like yeah. a, instead of trying to hold back. And it takes time because it is kind of like, okay, we're naked. That was weirdly easy. Okay. And now, <laughs> okay, now we're going to do this thing called sex. And if you've never done it before, you know, regardless of where you're at, it's still like, can be that like, whoa moment. Yeah. Like this is, yeah. a, this is a real thing. And that's okay. And it's okay that it's, it's new and it's maybe scary. And I think, you know, like, like this conversation that we're having is the conversation I wished I could have listened to or heard or talked to somebody about before I was married, because I just needed to know it was going to be okay. Because I was so like nervous. I was so like, okay, I just, I want this to work really well. And I'm, I'm type A perfectionist. And so that came out for me in that engagement process. Like I want everything to be great. I just mm-hmm. want to see great. We've done all the prep stuff. We've done our NFP classes. We've done everything. I would like kind of page through holy sex, but like I was kind of getting turned on. So I put that away, but I think I'm ready. And it was just like, whoa, not what I expected. And that's okay. Yeah. That's you know? okay. Absolutely. <laughs> and a lot of times for the guy, like, um, you know, he'll, he'll, he has to learn how to, um, how to hold back and restrain so that you can have an orgasm. And yeah. he, you have to learn, uh, women have to sometimes learn like how, how to communicate in such a way that things happen so that they feel right. So that you do have an orgasm. At least that was my experience. You have to kind of focus inward a little bit and say, okay, is this, you know, how, how does this go? How does this just like, how does this work? And it was harder for me to get there and way easier for him to get there. And I think that's a pretty common experience. And so you just be patient with each other. And then as you continue talking and the months and the years go on, you, you do learn that. Like I learned how to communicate and get, you know, quote unquote, get there faster. And he learns how to hold back and, you know, and, and then you are able to have, um, I think John Paul II actually wrote about like men and women in marriage, like having simultaneous orgasms and like, that's the, that's the goal that you're going for. He's like, that's like the dude's job is to like help his wife have an orgasm and to like have an orgasm together is like the best thing. If you can do that, like, Mm-hmm. Of this like theology of the body is like a must read like the <laughs> beginners like by C.S. Um, C.S. Lewis by Christopher West it's just like <laughs> no, not C.S. Lewis not C.S. Lewis that was Lie on Witch the Wardrobe that's <laughs> Christopher oh, West new topic um, but it, it is like it's so powerful to read that because you're like because mm-hmm. it is it's a lot you talk about you're like oh wow okay I didn't I didn't know like we you're were like, talking oh, so openly the Pope okay. went there wow yeah, yeah. And this was back yeah. in what the 90s or 80s 80s yeah these yeah, are all that these, was... like, things that, put, that were put together I still have yet to read them I'm like Theology of the Body for Beginners I'm reading snippets now I'm like I think it's time for the big guns to go through this but I know it's intense in a good way. (laughs) I haven't, yeah, I haven't, I haven't done the whole thing myself either. I've read a lot of commentaries on it by other people or talks about it or, you know, um, her talks about it rather. So yeah, it's, it's gonna, it's on my bucket list (laughs) for sure. Well, what you're saying is just so powerful. And I think just to be able to know that like, oh, okay, there's kind of a dance here that's happening. Like there's so much more to learn about each other. And it's so amazing. Like you're never going to stop learning your partner. And especially place of intimacy, emotional and physical intimacy. It's like, that's so amazing and beautiful because you're constantly going to be on this journey together to learn how to better love each other. And for a woman, Mm -hmm. like with her cycle changing and, you know, you hit menopause, like stuff starts to change again and what feels good and what works well, like just again too. So like, there's always just, there's this learning together that like you can lean into it or you can be bothered by it. And I think Mm -hmm. to choose that opportunity of learning and loving, is just like the most powerful decision you can make again, that like that choosing that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a time in my 20s when I realized I was finally able to articulate why I was so tired of 
my life at that point. And it was because I felt like I was surface level with a thousand people and I wanted to go really deep with just one or few, you know, a few yeah. friends, a few close, um, close friends. And I really wanted that intimacy with the husband. And that is the beauty of marriage is that you, you go so deep and there's a satisfaction there that can't really be described or even equated to those more surface level relationships. Um, much as I love, oh my gosh, I'm such a people person. I love meeting people. I usually get deep with people really quickly. I'm like, I can't do the small talk. We're just going for like, how's your soul? You know, <laughs> most of the time, but, um, but yeah, even with that being said, like there's such a depth in marriage and John and I look at each other and we're like, we, we enjoy sex so much more than when we got married. Even when, even when at the time we were loving each other as best that we knew how, and we were both totally in love and satisfied by the other sexually. But now there's just a depth that's possible that wasn't there when we were newlyweds, just because we hadn't learned about each other yet. And it keeps going and it keeps going. And it's, again, it's not like a honeymoon every month with NFP, like we're talking about, right. But it's a gradual learning process. And it's definitely, it's a, it's a bigger adventure than, uh, having things the way that I want them all the time and being yep. able to control. It's a, it's a much better adventure. I think, you know, it's a, I'd, I'd rather have that. Yes. Same here. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like when you look at your, your life with your kids and you're just having a crazy day and you're like, I got three hours of sleep last night and you guys are both screaming at me and I am hungry and I haven't had my coffee yet. And then you're like, but what I choose for you guys to not be here like to not exist? And the answer is always no, I wouldn't ever, even on right. the craziest days. Yeah. Yeah. It's like anyway. the same with NFP. It, to- it totally is. And just the depth, mm-hmm. like just in everything that we've covered, it's like, this is just, these are just aspects of NFP. This isn't even getting at some of the depth because for yeah. every person, it's so different for every couple. It's mm-hmm. such a unique journey that really speaks to them. If you lean into it and you choose it, like it gets, it can get better with time. There's still going to be hard seasons. But overall, it's that depth that it's bringing to your marriage and the journey that you get to go on together. It's like, mm-hmm. I would rather have this than just on my own, doing my own thing and not choosing this person. Yes. You know, if it came down to it on those hard days where you're like, yeah, I would still, I would choose you even in this chaos or this mess mm-hmm. that it sometimes feels like it is. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So the last question I have for you, if you want to switch methods, um, maybe someone's using NFP or whatever, they they think they want to switch methods. Can you switch? And what does that look like? Can switch. I think that's one of the biggest uh, myths in the NFP world is that once you pick a method, you got to stick with it. And that's really just not the case. I think, you know, like we've been talking about, like your body is changing. And as a woman, you need to honor that and you need to pay attention to the fact that, you know, if your body is needing something else, whether it's postpartum or you've been using a method for a couple of years and it just doesn't seem to be clicking or it's just still it's just not quite right. And you're more frustrated than anything else. It's time to reassess. And I think the first place to start is to, um, if you're single, you know, to really list out questions like what's working, what's not working. And if you're married to do that, but also do it with your spouse to be able to determine, okay, what are you noticing about me in in this training process? How is your role going? And like, or what do you, what would you like your role to be if you don't have a role in it? Mm -hmm. Um, Because every couple is different and how that looks. And to then take that to your practitioner to be able to work out and say like, okay, this is working or this is not working. And I think that's where I'm really big on like have a practitioner 
Um, mm-hmm. So even if it's like, you know, we haven't used them in a while, um, start up with them again and figure out like, okay, let's talk through these issues. Is this, is this a me thing or is this a method issue? Like, is this like, am I doing something wrong? Am I not understanding something correctly? Mm-hmm. Or is this just like a really hard method for me to apply to my life right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's also that, that nuance of, you know, is the practitioner right for you? So that's an aspect before you're switching mm-hmm. methods to figure out, do I feel comfortable with this practitioner? Are they yeah. respecting me? Are they respecting my spouse if I'm married? Are they respecting the questions I have and making me feel like I can be a student here and I can learn? Or am I feeling like I'm sh- being shamed or like, how did you not know this? Because mm-hmm. I've heard, you know, that can be an experience where you're like, okay, I don't really feel like I'm being respected here or like this seems a little weird. So that mm-hmm. may be a, a place of switch practitioners because they may be changing the way in which you're looking at this method altogether. And they're actually the ones making it more challenging for you um, because it's just not a good fit. And so there's no problem to break up with your practitioner. And if it's awkward or you're like, I don't want to email this person to say I'm done, email the organization that you're working with um, and just say, I need a switch. I need some help to find someone else. And you can absolutely do that. There's nothing wrong in doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, more often than not, practitioners are pretty understanding. And so if they are, um, you know, you're telling them that they're not a good fit for you, they're like, okay, let's find you someone who is and who might be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that point, if you if you've got a new practitioner, and it's just not clicking, it's just not working with the information of the method and what you're struggling with it's time to switch. It's time to like make that change. And it can feel kind of daunting, especially if you've invested time and money into it. Like, okay, but I thought I learned this and now I have to learn something else. But I think to remember there's a, this freedom and that you can choose something that's going to be a better fit for you, you know, and it may not be perfect. There are still going to be challenges when they're with charting because that's just how it goes with charting your cycle. But you know, it should feel for the most part, you should feel pretty confident and comfortable talking about it and learning it. And if you're not, you know, those, that's what you really want to be addressing. And so that's really where I built out managing your fertility to be able to compare contrast the three categories we talked about to say like, okay, I'm doing hormonal only right now. This isn't working or mucus only. I want to try symptothermal. Okay. So now I'm going to contact couple to couple league, reach out to them, explain my situation. Um, and that process, you know, I try to help women as much as I can when they reach out to ask about like, okay, I want to, I want to switch or what should I do? Who I reach out to. My hope is really to be a connector. I'm not a practitioner. So I'm really looking to connect people to the right person. And that's kind of my sweet spot. And just saying, okay, you need this person. Let's get you settled in. Email that person. How's it going? Did you get what you needed? Awesome. Because sometimes you just need that person in your corner to say like, you can do this. I'm happy to do that. Yeah. I just, I was laughing because I thought of you as an NFP matchmaker. Yeah. That's Yeah. That's calling. (laughs) Yeah. That's really what it is. Yeah, yeah. The NFP Yenta. Yeah, pretty much. Like, okay, well, let's help you find the person you need. I'm, I'm the Yenta NFP. So valuable. So good. Yeah. Where would you like people to find you? Best place is uh, managingyourfertility.com. And then um, we're also on social media at Managing Your Fertility. So that's a really awesome. fun place where we're sharing a lot of different content. We Feminist Friday. We're going to start out um, Masculine Genius Monday. So different social nice. media posts and blog posts just to share the men's perspective as much as yeah. we share women's perspective and just sharing honest stories about what people like. So it's a little bit more about personal, personal life decisions to see like, okay, someone did this, like just to inspire you to know, like, okay, I'm not alone. Everybody's journey looks totally different. Like we've been talking about and that's okay. And I really want to give people that freedom to know, like you can choose this, you can do this so that it fits best for you. I, I love that you're also sharing the men's side of the story because as a woman, I think support is more readily, much more readily available for me. But for a man, so first of all, men don't really talk to begin with, like not about real things. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> but when they get together, they have to have a certain, like a really deep level of 
connection for them to be able to talk about that kind of stuff. Um, so to share it publicly is pretty incredible. Yeah, we're, I'm taking yeah. off this month. So we'll see how it goes. I'm going to do like one story a month because at this point nice. it is harder to find men that are like, yeah, I'll share my story. They're mostly <laughs> like, oh, God, okay. And it's like, all right, well, <laughs> and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. gonna, there, isn't a, there really isn't a space for men in that room. Well, you know, we're, we yeah. talk about men, but we don't really talk to men. Um, and so it's important mm-hmm. their struggles too, because those are valid. Those are real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I imagine for a man, it's probably awkward to be a part of those conversations. Like I hope that men will listen to this episode and be informed for their marriages or their future marriages and just be able to understand how this, what this whole thing is about and how it works and feel empowered that they can do it. Um, and learn more about women through listening to women talk about it. But there also needs to be that personal journey for them as well. I, was, I had this weird dream. Sorry, this is the weirdest analogy ever. And I'm just going to share it real quick before we go. I had this weird dream where I was interviewing someone who I've actually never interviewed before. And he has a really long beard. And he started talking about on this interview in this dream that I was having about his beard balm that he loves. And in my mind, in that moment, I was like, I understand why guys' eyes glaze over and they just kind of like sink into something, into a different sphere. When women start talking about like hair products and dry shampoo and what, you know, how their favorite methods for curling their hair and girls will have those conversations and the guys will be just sitting there like with their eyes glazed over or just like nodding politely. (laughs) Well, this guy started talking with this other guy about like his favorite beard balm. And I was like, Oh, this is what it's like for a dude sitting in on a girl's conversation about girl things. (laughs) Real life applicable dream. Super weird. I know. And I woke up and I was like, Wow, did I actually interview that guy? Like, <laughs> what's happening here? Yeah, <laughs> sounds real. Yeah, they help make me more sensitive. I'm like, maybe I won't talk so long about my favorite hairspray when my husband's around. Maybe I won't. Yeah, that's that's like your Holy Spirit. More like just a reminder. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much, Bridget. This has been a wonderful and illuminating conversation. And thank you for bringing so much truth and beauty to the table here. So I know everyone is going to love hearing what you have to share. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been super fun to chat with you and I just appreciate all that you're doing. And I'm excited to check out your belovedness shop because (gasps) (laughs) I'll contact you about that. I'll send you a beloved shirt. I feel like it's, it's something that needs to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, God bless you. And we will definitely talk soon. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you all so, so much for choosing to spend some time with Bridget and me. If you liked this episode, would you mind passing it along to a friend who needs to hear it? And also, would you mind taking about one minute to leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts? I smile from ear to ear when I read your positive reviews. Love getting feedback. Thank you so much. And it really does help the show get seen by more eyes and ears. (laughs) So God bless you guys. If you want to come on over to patreon.com slash called and caffeinated, you may want to consider joining our Patreon community. We have monthly video chats as a community, which are amazing. And then you also get access to my secondary podcast called Coffee Sips, which is my faith and lifestyle show, as well as little perks that I don't share anywhere else. So check it out and may God bless you until I see you again. Take care.